whenever I saw a door close, I was just like, okay, where's the next door? Like, how can I open that? And I think that as I've gone on in this career, that's become even more evident because I cannot tell you the amount of doors that are continuing to be shut in my face. But the minute that happens, I give myself a day, I'm sad and I get up and there's another door right there. And that's always going to be true. But the minute you just let yourself sit in the sadness of rejection, you're never going to find that next door. And it's not going to pop up before you decide to stand up and look for it. Hey everyone, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 161 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about big wins, tough moments, and everything in between. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes and CEOs to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and have some fun along the way. Today, I am chatting with Caleb Marshall, better known to his 3.22 million YouTube followers and many more as the Fitness Marshall. In today's episode, we talk about his journey to becoming a top YouTube creator where he uses his platform to spread joy, self-love, and confidence to many people all around the globe using his one-of-a-kind, as he likes to call them, fittertainment routines. Seriously, go check out his channel. It's just The Fitness Marshall over on YouTube. And you will not only have a blast, probably laugh a ton, but also if you give it a whirl and go at one of these routines, you are going to sweat up a workout. (laughs) There are so many things I love about this episode. We talk about everything from his upbringing and coming out during his teenage years to going to college and coming to terms with the fact that he needed to pursue a career doing what he loved and what he loved was dancing. We also talk about what it was like for him to build his YouTube channel, what goes into creating all of these videos, which the production quality is absolutely unreal, the battles and the hurdles that he has conquered along the way. Caleb just gives off this beautiful energy and the way that he speaks and the content that he produces, he's really just putting into the world this beautiful vibe that no matter your age, your size, your ability, your gender expression, your color, everyone has a place, period. And he didn't always feel that way. So I just, I can really relate to his messaging. I'm really amped to have him on the show today and I love everything that we get into. Now, before we get into the swing of things today, I do want to take a moment to give some love to my sponsor at Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is one of the things that is in my daily routine, no matter what, no matter where I am. It's a greens powder with 75 whole food sourced ingredients, including prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, and superfoods. Let me tell you, I snuck out of the city for a little bit over the past week and I went upstate to the Catskills to unplug and When I was packing my overnight bag, the first thing I threw in there next to bug spray, which I couldn't believe I had in my apartment, was my to-go travel packs of Athletic Greens. I'll tell you, before I got into Athletic Greens, I had such a haphazard relationship with taking the right vitamins to fuel my body and give it what it needs. Now, I don't 
don't have to think twice about it because this is an all-in-one daily supplement. You've got to join the Athletic Greens gang. They've got a special offer for Hurdle listeners. Head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle and get a year's free supply of vitamin D as well as five free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Head on over there to get five free travel packs as well as a year's supply of vitamin D with your first purchase today. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on social media. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And if you have a second, rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Caleb Marshall, better known to his 3.25 million YouTube subscribers and growing, and many more, (laughs) as the Fitness Marshall. Hi, hello. Explain to us first and foremost, what is the Fitness Marshall? Oh, gosh. Um, What's the best way to explain it? The Fitness Marshall, I like to say, is like uh, Britney Spears mixed with Richard Simmons and one giant celebratory musical fitness baby. So we are here having a good time celebrating dance, moving our bodies, and just really making fitness fun and exciting, which I think was sorely missing kind of before my era. And so it's just been really exciting to get to celebrate people's bodies and dance and music without all of the barriers to entry and the intimidation that comes with just having fun and pretending to be a pop star. I love that kind of concept, like being a fitness pop star. When that terminology like came around for the first time, you were like, that's it. That's exactly what I'm doing here. Well, I kind of, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I kind of coined that myself because I was super insecure with my body, you know, when I was younger. And I remember I loved to perform and that was kind of my escape where I felt the most confident and the most secure in myself. And so once I got to college, I was even more like, oh my gosh, like I'm getting older. I don't know how to get into fitness. And I really also have all of these negative associations with my body. And I realized that the thing that helped me so much when I was younger was just the stage and the escape was the same thing that I could use to help me get into fitness and make it something that I enjoyed. And that was fun and exciting. And so I really just married those two things. And I realized that Almost everything in life can be solved by pretending to be a pop star. Now you're moving with millions of people, but was movement always like something that you were really into? Were you active growing up? Like what's the deal with that? Oh my gosh. You know what? I don't think that you could have found one person in my life that would have said, you know, Caleb's going to be a fitness pop star. No, I was not into fitness. I loathed it. I thought it was boring. I thought it was hard. I did not, I thought you had to be a certain type of person to do fitness. So unless you had a six pack or you looked like the people on the fitness DVDs, like that's who fitness was for. And so it was something that I had really just counted out from the beginning because of all of the barriers to entry. And so I, you know, I, I played sports. My parents said that until I turned 10, I had to play basketball and baseball and soccer And so I got to, you know, kind of test the waters and experience those things. But I also was really into dance and performing. And so at the same time, I got into tap dance and hip hop and jazz. And I got to do other things that were me moving my body. But I don't think it registered to me 
that, oh, that can be fitness too. And in my mind, it was like, no, sports is fitness, lifting weights is fitness, um, crying in the mirror and pinching yourself while doing jumping jacks is fitness. I never, <laughs> I never thought that something that could be so fun could be a way to actually keep yourself healthy and work out. And so it, it, it's weird because I guess in my mind, I say no, but I guess the answer is yes, I was moving my body. And I mean, you said until 10, your parents were really enthusiastic about you playing all of these yeah. sports. Was there like some sort of like prior? <laughs> my, it's so weird. Like the age, the numbers, like I remember when I was younger, I couldn't watch uh, cartoons that were TVY seven until I was seven. I couldn't watch PG 13 movies until I was 13. Like it was very like, God has said Spider-Man is for 13 year olds and older. Like it was so weird how numbers work. So I think they were just like, until you turn 10, you have to play sports and then we will give up and let you do whatever you want. Jeez. Okay. So <laughs> when you say you could do whatever you want, was there like a conversation that dance was the move literally? <laughs> you know what? Um, I think that it was just, I was already in it. And so I was already doing dance and acting. And so it was more like, hey, now you have more time to take even more dance classes and more acting classes. And I really just got to dive in to what I loved and kind of let go of the things that really didn't make me so happy, which is really cool that my parents did that because I didn't feel the pressure to please them or, or really be something else for them. I really got to be celebrated and the things that I love doing. And so that was really exciting just to have that space um, to do that, especially not feeling confident as a kid. Like I wasn't the popular one. I didn't like the way my body looked. I didn't really feel like I fit in. But when I was on stage, that was my escape. And that's where I felt like I could, I could be myself and be super confident and have the time of my life. And so it was really exciting just to get to explore that and have that escape as a kid, especially because I don't know what I, what I would have done not having that, like going to school and having a bad time and then coming home and having nothing to like make me like full or, or feel fulfilled. So I, I think it would have been really scary had I not had, you know, the performing arts. So when you start to get into the performing arts, where do you see this going at the time? Did you have like an aspiration to be an actor? Did you like want to move to New York and be on Broadway? Like, what did you want to do? I wanted to be a Disney Channel star. <laughs> I thought that by the time I was 14, I was going to be Caleb, Colorado. Hannah Montana would be canceled. I would be the next superstar. And I really thought that I, that was just my trajectory. I mean, I don't think that I had a full plan in my mind, especially not for fitness, but I knew that in some way, like I had to perform because I knew that I wasn't meant for doing anything else that I couldn't really put all of my passion into. And so I thought that I was going to go to LA, get picked up by a casting agent. And I remember going, like when I got to high school, I got to start going out to LA once a year for auditions. And I got told, no, 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 no we don't need you. You're not. And it wasn't all bad, but it was never, I never got picked. I was never the one that got signed for anything. I never got past the first round of the audition. And so it was really soul crushing for me to realize that the thing that I thought that I was really good at and meant for in this world, no one else felt the same way. And so it took me kind of just accepting that that wasn't my path and kind of moving on from that. And I, I, I like when I got to college, I had thought that door closed. I was like, I turned 18. 
I've got the creases setting in my, I got some smile lines coming. I'm not going to be a child actor anymore. And I really thought that it was all over because I had listened to all of these people who had told me what I was supposed to do with my life. And I kept trying to put myself in an, a box for this person and this person instead of just creating my own. And I think getting all of that rejection, I had two choices. One, I could listen to it and be sad and defeated the rest of my life and say, oh, this world sucks and it wasn't meant for me. Or I could make my own path and be like, you know what? No, I'm going to double down on the things that I love doing the most and create something out of that instead of trying to just create something that's already out there for somebody else. Where do you think that level of determination came from in you? Because I think a lot of people would have maybe not by choice, but just because of circumstance gone with that option yeah. one. Um, you know what? I think it's really the way just my, my, I'm wired. I, when I get, and I, it might be the ADD. It, I just, when I have something that I want, I go for it. And I really didn't have an, another option because I'm not good at a lot of other things that would require me to do a traditional job. I have a really hard time with the planning and the organizing and the putting energy and effort into things that don't spark my passion. Like I, I can't emphasize enough that I have to do what I love. And so I just never even gave myself a, a plan B for that. It was, it, when I guess whenever I saw a door close, I was just like, okay, where's the next door? Like, how can I open that? And I think that as I've gone on in this career, that's become even more evident because I cannot tell you the amount of doors that are continuing to be shut in my face. But the minute that happens, I give myself a day, I'm sad and I get up and there's another door right there. And that's always going to be true. But the minute you just let yourself sit in the sadness of rejection, you're never going to find that next door. And it's not going to pop up before you decide to stand up and look for it. Love that piece of advice. So you mentioned getting to college, feeling a little unsure. What are you majoring in at the time? I majored in video production. So I decided when I went to college that I was not meant to be in front of the camera. I was like, nope, that's not for you. You are going to be behind. And I, I genuinely do love being behind the camera. I love the production aspect of it. I still edit and shoot all of my own videos. but I went to school thinking that that's all I was going to do. And so I kind of spent that whole time taking all of these production classes, but really I was simultaneously teaching these dance fitness classes because I got to college and I felt so sad because I wasn't on stage, I wasn't performing. And I felt like a piece of me kind of died. And I started also really getting nervous because I was you know, a gay man. 18 going to college. And I had no idea how to have a healthy relationship with fitness. And the first thing that I decided to do was take this dance fitness class that reminded me of an old Zumba class that I took in high school. And it was this moment where I felt like I got to be on stage and feel confident in myself and feel that, that rush of euphoria that I got when I was on stage. You mentioned coming into college, being a gay man. When did you come out? I came out at, I think it's 16 or 17. It was right before my senior year of, of high school. Talk to me about that experience for you. So, I mean, it was really hard. It's not something I planned on doing. I come from a conservative Christian family and there were very traditional values implanted in my brain. And I don't think that for a second, anyone thought that this tap dancing, sky dancers, Barbie loving 
boy would ever like be anything but a cis straight man. And it was something that I had to, I guess, I guess I was kind of forced out in a way because I had a boyfriend when I was, I think, 16, 17. My mom went through my phone and found texts between us. And then, I mean, all hell broke loose because she she was like, you're never seeing him again. The whole family knows about this. This is not happening. Why are you doing this? And it was all, and it was so crazy because it was all about them. It was all about how they felt. Meanwhile, I'm terrified. I have been struggling with my sexuality since I was a child. I mean, my first crush was in kindergarten. I can remember I had like little butterflies for a boy. My entire life, I've been so scared that at some moment I'm going to be found out and I'm going to be exposed and everything's going to be over. And so that moment finally happens. And then somehow it becomes all about how my mom felt, how my grandparents felt, how my dad feels. And so it took a minute for, I think, everyone to realize, wait a minute, I'm the one going through this. <laughs> like, this sucks for me. I'm not choosing this. It's not like I, this is the shirt that I decided to try on today. Like, I'm stuck with this for my life. And at that point in time, I had still been trying to like pray the gay away my whole middle, I mean, middle school, high school, it was awful. And so I had gotten to a point where I accepted myself and I was so frustrated that everyone around me was kind of where I was in middle school. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm already here. Like, this is who I am. And I, not a single part of me thought about going back in the closet, breaking up with this person. I it's like we talked about, I, I mean, I am who I am. I'm passionate about who I'm passionate about. And if you don't like that, then I'm so sorry, but it took a while for them to kind of learn and accept. And it only took them, I would say about a year to really integrate my partner with the family and for everything to be okay. A lot of kids don't have that. Kids get, will get kicked out. will never speak to their family again. Like my family loved me enough to learn but it was not something I think anyone was prepared to have to even start thinking about. So I'm really grateful that I still have the relationship with my family that I do, but it'll always be sad that it's something that I had to help other people go through. Cause it, it's really, it, it'd be really nice to grow up and just feel loved and accepted from the beginning. And that's what I think is really exciting for Gen Z and like the new generations that are going to have just a lot more understanding and acceptance because of, the generations who didn't have that. Yeah. Can you even imagine what you would have done if she hadn't found your phone? No. I mean, I really, I don't know if I ever would have had the courage to have that conversation. Like I hate confrontation. I loathe it. I would rather you can just put me in a barrel and roll me down the hill. And I just would never have to talk to you about it again. Like I, I think that's really difficult for a lot of people. And so I never, that's why I hate when people are forced out of the closet or people get upset at other others for not coming out or, or making this big statement, but it really is such a personal and terrifying journey. And so yeah. while I'm grateful that I was forced out and I was actually forced out by my friends too. I had friends when I was like 15, they sat me down and they said, it was like a group of like four of them, one being the guy that I ended up dating as my first boyfriend. And they were like, Caleb, we love you you are a homosexual. We know it. You know it. You are gay. And I was like, oh my God, stop. No, I am not. <laughs> and then I just had a moment where I could like kind of start inching my way out. And I'm so grateful they did that because it allowed me to live my truth. But again, 
everyone's journey is unique. So for someone else, that would might be terrifying and awful for them to be like forced out or found out. So it is all so individual. But in my experience, I'm glad that I had my friends there first who kind of knew about my sexuality for, I would say, almost a year before my family did. And it really gave me that feeling of having my chosen family. Because even if my family didn't accept it, my friends loved me so much. And so that made it so much easier. And that's why I'm a big proponent of chosen family and family doesn't have to be blood. It's the people who would love you and are there for you and who fill you up and can grow with you. With a reach like yours, you probably get asked a lot of questions about coming out. And for someone who may be struggling with doing so in their home, I mean, again, very big difference for you being forced out, being found out versus coming out on your own choice. But what do you say to those people who come into your DMs and are like, help, I don't know what to do? Um, it's really, it's really difficult because it is so unique. But I think that the most important thing is that everyone is living their truth and is able to be confident in who they are. And when you tell people who don't agree or who you're scared to tell, that is their own journey. So if they don't accept you for being you, if they try to change you, that is their baggage. That's not, that doesn't mean you could have told them any differently. That doesn't mean you did something wrong. That doesn't mean you should change who you are. That means that they have something they need to work on within themselves. So have the courage and the bravery to tell your truth, but know that someone not receiving that well has no bearing on you. And I, that is the hardest thing for people to accept, but whoever is there for you after you are living as your most authentic self, those are the people who are supposed to be around you. So it's kind of a necessary spring cleaning, a necessary awakening, and it's uncomfortable, but just know that all of that that is going to be happening after is other people working through their own shit, not you. Love that piece of advice. And again, as you said, chosen family is kind of what happens as a result as a result of that. So you mentioned taking those dance cardio classes in college. Do you remember in college, the first dance cardio class that you actually went to? Because when I think about going to dance cardio class, I feel like there's like that initial hurdle, so to speak, when you get in there and you're like, am I really just about to be like completely uninhibited and like go completely wild in here? There, I, there was this, I, and I remember the instructor, her name was Kayla. And she, she was leading this, like the first week of college classes. And it was this far East movement song. And I remember we were like, like making this big move. We were like driving our arms like this, going back side to side. And everyone was just having so much fun, like pretending they're driving a car down like Las Vegas Boulevard. And I was like, oh my God, this is so fun. Like, this is a big party. And I, it, it was the same feeling. Like I took a Zumba class in high school. And I got the same thing. It was Sean Kingston's fire burning on the dance floor. And I remember we were like, shawty fire burning on the dance. And it was so much fun. And that was my teacher, um, Natalie. That was like my dance teacher from middle school was teaching the Zumba class to me in high school. And it's all of these like little things that kept happening. And I kept having the same euphoric rush when I was in these dance cardio classes that I thought were just for somebody else's mom. And then I was like, wait a minute. No, like this is exactly what I need. <laughs> somebody else's mom. <laughs> but so true. I mean, I think growing up, like we're all exposed to dance in such a way, especially dance cardio, where it's like mom goes to step aerobics, mom goes to Zumba, like moms mm -hmm. loved dancing growing yep. up. Yep. 
but moms get it. Obviously they're doing something right because it is fun. It is not just for one type of person. And it also, I think that notion of what's cool and what's in is something that I despise because I remember spending so much of my time worrying about what's the end thing? What should I be doing? What should my body look like? What's the new trend? And then I realized there is no cool for a certain age. It's just, what do you have fun doing? What do you enjoy doing? And that's all that matters. If you're having a great time doing it, then it's correct. It doesn't need to be the trendiest or whatever that may be. If you are connecting to it, then you're in the right place. And I think that's what I love so much about the fitness marshal in the space we've created. It's it doesn't matter what your body type is. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what kind of music you're into, your dance experience, your sexuality, your gender expression. Like, get on the dance floor and move your body. Let's party. Period. Mike, we're done. We can be done with this podcast now. Like, we're good. <laughs> so, you remember we, we just recounted your first dance cardio class. It was great. You were driving down the boulevard. As you go to graduation and you're trying to think about what you're going to do in the world, and you're like, holy shit, I'm going to launch a YouTube channel. It's funny you say graduation. I didn't even go to my graduation. I sat on, <laughs> I sat on my porch. I made myself a really shitty margarita and I had my cap and gown on and I took a selfie and I said, happy graduation, Caleb. And graduation was happening like literally so close. And I was like, you know what? I, I at that point, I was again, so disconnected from my major and the whole idea of you graduate and now go find corporate job B and go do that. That was not on my mind. I remember the summer between junior year and senior year that I was going through this awful time. That's when the guy that I was dating, we broke up. So but that was like my first relationship and my it was like a five-year relationship. And so I lost that. And then I was having this moment of, okay, so my relationship's gone and I'm about to go into my senior year of college and have no concept of what I want to do for the rest of my life. And it was this big aha moment of, wait, you keep coming back to these like cardio classes. The only thing you care about is what new dance you're going to do next week. If that's so important to you and that makes you so happy, then let's make something out of that and see if, see if it sticks. Like what's the worst that could happen? No one watches your videos. Okay. So I went home um, from this summer internship and I created a YouTube channel and I created a brand behind it. And I took the fitness Marshall because my last name is Marshall. And I, I made it kind of like army themed because my family is, has all been in the military. And I think it's also really funny, like little gave me like dancing around in army pants. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just really fun. And I just started pumping out like videos every week. And I was remember in my senior year, like I was doing all these projects trying to, I was getting great grades, but also at the same time, all of my mental effort was in this YouTube channel. And in eight months of starting it, by the time I graduated, I had 100,000 subscribers. And so that was really what I needed to know, okay, this is working. Like, it's not like, okay, you gain just, you know, 1,000 subscribers in a year, which is still really cool and amazing. But it was like, it gave me enough confidence to not run out and go get a job that I didn't want. And so I just put everything I had into this YouTube channel that with 100,000 subscribers, was making me $0 because I use copyrighted music. And so I still to this day don't monetize my videos. And I think that is also a huge misconception. Yeah, <laughs> that's a huge misconception 
um, because people think once you have views, you have money. But I mean, I, I have a copyright pay on every video I've put out. Like that's just, that was never the case with me. And so I had to be even more creative. And luckily, like I found my new, my partner, who's also my manager, Cameron, we started dating a couple months after I graduated and he's really like business brains. I'm like, dance, creative, be happy. And I, he was like, but how are you going to pay your rent? And I was like, be happy, dance, creative. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was a really good kind of merging of two worlds. And he kind of helped build out all of the business parts of it. And we've really in six years me, Cameron, and my two best friends from high school who are our backup booties um, have built kind of this empire together. And now we're, we were touring We're we have our own activewear line. We're working on other projects on the side. There's just so much happening that happened out of necessity. We didn't have the luxury of just getting views and getting a big paycheck. It's been a constant hustle and a constant pivot to keep this going as a career. Taking a break from today's show to give some love to Hurdles sponsors. First up, my friends at Element. Element is a science-backed electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. This formula is good for so many reasons. First of all, it is super high caliber. It is plant-based with no sugar, fillers, gluten, or sketchy ingredients. It also tastes so good. I am on a kick of their newer watermelon salt flavor, but they have got so many different ones to suit every style. From chocolate to raspberry, orange, and unflavored, you just can't go wrong. They have an awesome offer for Hurdle listeners. Head on over to drinkelement.com. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash Hurdle and get a free Element recharge sample pack today. All you've got to do is pay $5 for shipping. And this way, you can find your perfect flavor. Again, that is drinkelement.com slash Hurdle to get your free Element recharge sample pack today. Second shout out today goes to my friends at Gooder. I have been obsessing over my Gooders since the moment my first pair arrived. They are stylish and functional sunglasses that I don't have to worry about falling or slipping, whether I am on a bike ride, heading up over the George Washington Bridge, or tackling 400 meter repeats at the track. I'm a huge fan of their Operation Blackout style. I'm also a big fan, this is a fun name, of their Midnight Ramble at the Circle Bar. <laughs> Circle OGs style. They have frames for every face. And of course, they've also got a great offer for Hurdle listeners. Head on over to gooder.com, that's G-O-O-D-R.com slash Hurdle, and use code Hurdle at checkout for 15% off today. Again, that is gooder.com, G-O-O-D-R.com. O-O-D-R.com slash hurdle. Use hurdle one five at checkout for 15% off your order today. When you started creating this YouTube content, did you think extensively about like the format that you wanted to create things in or what types of dances that you would be doing? Like talk to me about where it started versus like maybe where it is now. How it started versus how it's going. It was so intentional from the beginning. I, I often feel like I'm criticized for overthinking things, but in this case it worked because I thought to myself, okay, if you start this and it blows up, what could you do 
potentially forever. <laughs> like, and that's a lot to think about. But I, I knew exactly how I wanted it to look. I saw like a lot of, of fitness videos where um, they had like different angles and like moving cameras and things like that. I was like, okay, I want my camera on a tripod. I want you to be able to see this like you're at an actual fitness class. And you're, you're looking at it and the camera doesn't move. So you know exactly what's going on. So that was one thing that I think set me apart from other fitness videos. And then I was intentional from the beginning about, I want to have a mic on and I want to use the master track of the music. And so I had no equipment, which is why most videos you see don't have a high production value because it's expensive to have a microphone and lights and a camera and all of this. So I, my friend was in the production school because I'd already graduated. And so I had my friend rent out production equipment from the school so I could use it to shoot all of my videos. And I did that until I had enough to save up for actually my own microphone and my own equipment. But it was always about, I want the music to be popular and exciting. Everyone from the beginning was like, use royalty-free music, use copyright-free music. And I was like, you don't get it. One day, this is going to pay off. Like one day, someone is going to see this. And so I wanted that to be a thing as well. I had the camo pants and the tank top on. That was my branding for like five years. I wore the same outfit, which is to anyone else exhausting, but it became a point of recognition. People knew me not only for my dance or my personality, but even if you just saw it for a minute, at some point that was going to be rep repetitive enough, like a cartoon character for you to recognize me based on my outfit. And so that was another way I got it out there. And then, I mean, the branding of the name, I came up with the fitness marshal. Backup booties were my, the people, but the girls behind me, then it was like the fans were called the booty army. Like it all was just very strategic in a way that I kind of built a brand and from the, before even getting out there. And so like my first set of videos, I released 14 at a time. And just to have like a full hour long set that people could do and actually work out to and just kind of build off of that. But if you look at the videos, the format's the exact same. Six years later, I do more fun effects. I'm better at editing, the quality's better, but it's the exact same video now as it was six years ago. And so when you're building a workout, you can pick any video you want and it'll fit perfectly into that format. And so it's it, it all works together so well. I love that tidbit you said about, well, I didn't have the right equipment, so I just figured it out and I started anyway. And I yeah. think that oftentimes so many people let logistics like that stand in the way from going after what it is that they want. Like you didn't know the first thing I'm sure about starting a YouTube channel or how to get people to subscribe or, you know, all the filming and the product, like you went, you had a degree in production, but you get what I'm saying. Like there were so I much. I didn't watch YouTube before I started a YouTube channel. I didn't listen to podcasts before I started a podcast. I love that. It's so great because it's just, you'll figure it out. I mean, and the longer I do this, and I don't know if you feel the same way. It's just like, everyone is just figuring it out as they go and making the rules up as they go. If you create good content, People will find it and you can always make it better. And that's exciting. My first videos, I am horrified by some of them. The way I am instructing, the way some of it looks, the way I am dancing completely off center, which I still sometimes do. But it's not like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I should have never done that. I'm so proud of how I've grown. Because I'm, I'm like, when people watch that in 2021, and then watch my current videos, they can see see the progress. And I think that's so important. And I hate 
how I feel like we're in a place where people go back and just erase all of the things that they don't like or the embarrassing things, because then that makes other people feel like they have to be perfect before they start. Like, no, I want Mm. you to see my journey because that I think is the most human thing you can do. And it's something I'm proud of. I'm not embarrassed of it. Like I've come a long way and that's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So speaking of coming a long way, obviously so much farther along in the journey than you were right after college. When do you realize, I mean, 100,000 subscribers, a lot going on, but when does it really start to feel like it's super taking off? So I had a video go viral. It was Megan Trainer's Me Too. And I remember I uploaded that to Facebook. And then overnight, it had 100,000 views on Facebook. And I was like, whoa. And then the next day it had like 500,000 and then a million and then 10 million. And then Megan trainers retweeting it. Megan trainers following me, um, a clothing company in Australia, cotton on is reaching out to me, asking me to do a world tour with them. And, and all, all of these things start happening at once. And I'm like, whoa, this is just the craziest moment. I'm getting so many emails from media companies being like, do you want to do a reality show with us? And that was, that was the craziest moment, just the Me Too video, because I think virality is, I mean, what's even viral anymore? Like someone can go viral and get a billion views and someone can go viral and get, you know, 10,000 views. Like it's all based on your own perception of what that is. But for me, that was just the biggest, most immediate um, uh, growth, I guess, in a video and the most attention I got in at one time. And so that's when... I got really excited and thought that, okay, this is something really, really cool. Like we can for sure make money off this at some point or somehow, but then that is also what started my decline and what started probably one of the saddest times for me in this career, because every video was chasing that success. And every time I put out a video that didn't get as many views or didn't get the attention, I was like, you're not as good anymore that was your peak. You're not enough. And it was just this negative self-talk that kept happening. And until I broke out of ever trying to do that again, like I was just miserable trying to recreate. I mean, miserable. I wasn't miserable. I still have always had a great job, but it was just the most soul sucking time to try to constantly compete with yourself or keep trying to live up to a standard that is just not realistic. And not attainable. I didn't make that video with all of those things in my head. I made the video and it just happened to connect a lot of people. And that was not intentional. It was just by chance. And so the only way that was going to happen again is by having that same authentic reaction. Interesting. You talking about what happened after that video went viral and all the offers that were coming your way. Did you at the time take any of them? Because I feel like some of that, if you had, would have deterred you from like your original mission, which it sounds like you were pretty steadfast on and kept working on. It goes a couple of different ways. I like the like the world tour, like that aligned with what I wanted to do. I wanted to go and I wanted to perform. And so I got to go to literally like South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, and Singapore all in two weeks and perform. That was probably the coolest thing I've ever done. But then the other things that kept coming in, like the reality shows and things like that, it's not even that I was saying no, but I think it's important for people to understand that nothing in this industry is real until it's real. You will have 
X, Y, and Z person talking to you. Oh, I got a call from this giant network or whatever. There can be so many background conversations that ultimately amount to nothing except maybe like a relationship that you can have with this producer or this person. So most of those just completely fell through. And I think that was hard for me being new to this industry and getting so excited at every new opportunity. And every time something didn't follow through, I took that as a like a personal defeat. Whereas now I understand like, it can be as simple as like, everyone's on board. And then this one person's like, oh, but wait, we're pivoting to unicorns this quarter. So no, you're no, we're not doing fitness this quarter. And it can be a billion things. It can be budget. It can be just one legal issue that doesn't get worked out. And so it's just like, knowing that nothing is real until it's real. And again, not riding the highs, not riding the lows, just staying steadfast on doing what you love. That's the only way to make it because if not, you will get thrown up and down and left and right (laughs) in the entertainment industry. I totally hear it. I mean, I'm in a completely different place than you are, but I have certainly had to have some serious pep talks with myself after like stuff that gets really exciting, like comes your way. And then you're on this mountain and you're talking for months and months about like the biggest deal of your career. And then like on a Friday at 10 a.m., you get into a meeting where it's like completely off the table now. And that's it. I mean, if that's so funny you say that because that just happened to me. I I get it because it sucks and it hurts. But I think that what's really special and what I've come back to, and I'm sure that you've come back to it as well because of the way that you talk about this is like, holy shit, I had a seat at that table. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is exactly it. Like, whoa, I had that conversation. They know my name. They care about me. Like it's, it's. They care about me. Sometimes I'd like to think that they care about me. I mean, like, but they know, they know that you exist though is great. Like they cared enough to have that call, you know, it's just like, it's really cool. And you have to keep reminding yourselves of those little victories because that's what you have to hold on to. It's not about the end result because there are too many variables in that. And if you let yourself get so defeated by those moments, then you're never going to find the next door to open. Like you have to be willing to just stand up and be like, okay, dust my shoulders off. I wanted to go through that door more than anything else in this world. I thought that was the golden door, but here's another door that's not golden, but it's blue. And I'm going to see what's through that one. And then you find out that something even more amazing is awaiting. I mean, I've had that moment happen so many times in my career where I'm like, it's all over. I can't do it anymore. And then a few months later, amazing things happen. And so it's just about holding on to your passion and the why of why you're doing it. And I think that's what helps people really have longevity in this industry is because if you're here for the quick check, you'll be out really fast. Yeah. (laughs) You'll be out really soon. Cause I, I mean, for me, money didn't come for a very long time. Like when, and when I say money, I mean like paying rent, buying a haircut, like it was not easy. It was struggle, struggle, struggle for so long and just doing what I love. And that's, that's what I ate was, was passion. Like that is what really got me through and got my friends through. Like my friends gave up a lot as well to kind of be on this journey and believe in what this is all about. My partner, Cameron gave up. He was, his dream was to work for the CDC. He had a degree in public health and he's like, okay, we're going to go out to California. We're going to build this fitness brand and we're all just going to hope it works out. So it's just, having people around you that believe in you and believing in yourself 
and not being so controlled by the immediate dollar amount, which is a privilege because if you can't pay your rent, it's, it's, you can't just say, Oh, but I'm like, I'm passionate. Like you have to pay your bills. And so it's really difficult, I think, to make a career out of, uh, I guess, to build your own career and follow your own dreams, because the reality is in this society, you're expected to pay your bills on time. And there are only a few ways that happens. For someone who's listening to this and they're like, oh, I've hear, I've heard this so many times before, follow your passions. If you're not passionate about what you're doing for work, what are you doing with your time? And then they butt up with that other thing that you were saying just now about, well, I need to pay my bills if I'm not ready to jump into X or Y. Yeah. Like, what do you say to those people? Because sometimes, again, like if we're talking about being realistic, not everyone gets to oh. do a job every single day where they're like, I am so passionate about no. this. No, and you know what? You don't have to. And I think that's the other thing. And I don't want to be, misconstrued on this um, podcast for, I mean, I am so painfully aware that my story is incredibly rare and it is exceptionally unlikely, even if you do everything right for everything to work out. Like life isn't just a fairy tale. I've worked really hard and I am very determined to figure it out. But I also think that there is nothing wrong with just loving your life and loving the people in your life. And I mean, I just hung out with friends yesterday and they were like, I work to live. I do not live to work. And that's okay. Like if you have a family that you love, friends that you love, hobbies that bring you joy, that's the whole point of life is be happy, like do good in this world and just find fulfillment. And so if you have to have a job that you don't love, but it allows you to have a life that you love and people in your life that you love, then you've made it. That is success in my book. Love that. Love that. Now, these days, you mentioned that at first and still, you're like, I'm going to dance to what I want to dance to. This is not how we're going to monetize. Then you started going on these tours and like accepting different partnerships. And now you're thinking about, and now you have a membership structure. Talk to me about kind of the cornerstones, I guess, of what do make you money in your business? Because I'm sure that's a question you probably get quite often. Yeah. Um, I mean, as of 2019, yeah, as of 2019, there was no monetary structure. It was, well, it was tour. So we had these shows and the only way I made a check is if we went out and we performed at a venue. And so that meant like Cameron, my partner, calling a venue setting up a show, renting our own stage, renting our own sound, um, Cameron at the door, checking in tickets, also running the stuff backstage, Cameron also taking meet and greet photos, like us lugging our own step and repeat banner in a suitcase to every single city we went to. It was, it was just a, a grind and it was the most rewarding thing, but also the most taxing thing. And I think it became very clear that it wasn't going to sustain us. Like we can only hop on a plane every single weekend for so long before it's like, yeah. we've got to do something else. Yeah. And so we also had a really hard time because we, I mean, the music, we're just, it's been a battle with the music industry this whole time. It's like, you feel as if you're promoting all of these people's songs and they're treating you like a cockroach who is, like somehow abusing their music or misusing it. And so it was really difficult. And we had a really just bad year right before, right before 2020. 
And we were like, it's just getting exhausting at this point. And we were about to quit using popular music because it just, I was so tired of like looking over my shoulder and like wondering for the next person to come at me when I literally like, I was not making money. Like when we were touring, we were paying for the stage and the sound and the people to run the show. Like the profit margin was bad. It was so bad, but we loved doing it. But we just got really tired, like four, four years into it. And once 2020 came around, we couldn't tour. And it was like, okay, so this is it. Like we're done. The, this is not meant to be. And that's when YouTube memberships opened up and it was just the craziest timing. And YouTube was like, hey, you can have a membership program on our platform. And so then we got together and we're like, oh, wait if we're not touring, let's just do these like 60 minute classes once a week for our YouTube members. And that way they can still have all of our regular content for free. But if they want like this full length 60 minute workout, they can do that with us every week and we can actually get paid for it. And so it was this pivot that I don't think would have happened without the pandemic. And it allowed us to open up what we do in a way that's so much more sustainable because we're not like getting on a plane and traveling and exerting ourselves. And I think that kind of got our minds going in the place of how can we work smarter and not harder? And so many people say that, but it's so true. Like you have to be so weary of burning out and overexerting yourself. So you have to really maximize how you spend your time. And so the YouTube memberships has truly like been life-changing for us. It's been amazing. And then also this year we got to partner. So I don't, music works in a weird way, but there's like three like music titans. And so one of them is Warner Music Group and they reached out to us and we have just the best relationship now. And now we are getting to actually work with them to promote their songs on our channel. And we, they gave us our own Spotify workout playlist. So every week I get to like update this playlist and it's like the official Warner Music Spotify playlist. And it's just this craziest thing because last year I was like, the whole music industry hates me. No one wants me to do this. We can't tour anymore. Like I'm actually going to quit. And then the year after that, it's, I mean, we're, we're making money. We're working with record labels. We're doing things we never thought possible. We're launching an, an activewear line. Like it's just all of these doors kept opening. Even when I thought that they kept closing, like we just kept standing back up and be like, okay, maybe one more try. <laughs> What other lessons did you learn during the pandemic? I think that it was really, it was just more of a reset for me, I think, because it was the worst time for so many people. And it was really weird because we were kind of like, I, I don't, it's weird. I don't want to paint a picture and, and negate all of the bad that happened because it was a, it was a fucking awful year. Like it was awful. And there was so much bad that happened. But I think if any of us can figure out, are the, is there anything good that came out of it. And for me, it was like, okay, I have to have this whole reset and, and rethink about how I look at the world and what I'm doing. And I was like, I can help the world online. I can do these fitness classes. I can take this time and, and really create an activewear line. And let's think about how to make it inclusive for even more people and really dive into it and spend more time on things that I wouldn't have had time to because I was going to be on a plane going and doing a show. And so it was really this moment of, of we are stuck in here. Let's meet. Let's 
figure things out. Let's plan, let's strategize and get ready because we knew at some point things were going to get better. But our job right now is really just to help people who were inside and humble ourselves and just dance in our living room. And that's really what we did because like my videos are usually highly produced in our shows, like on tour, there's lights and smoke and effects and it's amazing. But I think really what people wanted last year was to know that we were all in this together. And that was something really cool that we got to do. And we were just working out with people inside. And I think it really helped us connect with people in ways that we didn't connect before and realize how important this was outside of the, the glitz of it all. This was a way for us to feel like people again and for people who are struggling with their anxiety and their depression and, and isolation to have a moment where they can just release some endorphins and some serotonin when they can't even go outside for a walk. Like this became more important than it's ever been. And so I felt that responsibility and it also helped me, I think just as much, I mean, I, I need this as well. So it's not like I'm just doing this for other people, but it was really cool to realize the gravity of, of what movement can do for the body and the brain. You mentioned earlier, uh, back in college, not feeling really comfortable or at home in your body. How do you feel these days? I feel good. I feel good these days. And I, it's, and I say that while also scrolling on Instagram and being like, I don't look like him. I don't look like him. He's more defined than me. He has a better hairline than me. Like, I mean, I don't think we ever get away from comparing ourselves to others. And I just like was thinking the other day, I think right now I'm in the best shape of my life. And still that doesn't change me seeing someone else and being like, ah, but I don't look as good as them. And so I think just remembering that there is no point in your fitness journey that you are not, that you are going to feel like the best. You're always going to look at someone and wish that you could look more like them. And so taking that knowledge and just deciding to be happy and confident in your body where it is right now is the most powerful thing because that stole so much of my joy for so long. Like not, I remember I would, I would go to the swimming pools in like middle school and I would never take off my shirt. I wouldn't go on like to the water park trips that my friends went on. I, I missed out on so much just because I was so worried about people looking at me and what they thought about my body. But then you realize that everyone is also thinking about that. Like they're thinking about themselves. I mean, like, are they looking at me? And we're all just so insecure, but we all assume that everyone is so secure and confident in who they are. And so I think it's just so important to embrace the right now because you do not know if you're going to be here tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I just think that you should celebrate yourself right now because it's a really beautiful and amazing feeling when someone else doesn't have the power to validate how you feel about yourself. When you started to gain a bigger following, I'm sure that that came with a fair amount of external criticism as well. How have you come to a place where you can handle the unsolicited feedback and stay in your joy? I think it's, it's, it goes back to not riding the highs, not riding the lows. I, that, that sticks with me every time when I make a video, I try my best. I'll look at the comments for the first day, see like what the actual fans or like the super fans think I'll sh I should say. But after that, it's just people who are discovering the video and who knows why they got there, what mood they were in when they got there. 
what their purpose is for leaving a comment on that video. So there's just so much that you don't know when it's just a username and a comment that you can't put weight into it. Mm -hmm. Like someone could be having a really awful day and feel really bad about themselves and then try to take you down too. Or someone could be trolling and just, I mean, there are accounts dedicated to just leaving meme comments to get attention. So it's like, I do not pay attention to the comments or what people say at all. I know what makes me happy. I know that if something stops making me happy, I'm not going to do it anymore, but I need to base what I do in this world off of how I feel and the impact that I have, as opposed to what Sally from New Jersey says. Oh, Sally. <laughs> Sally. She, Sally's just having a bad day. She's just having a bad day. All right. What excites you right now? What excites me right now is the possibilities. I feel like it almost, and this may be because I'm such a naive, like overly optimistic person, but I just feel a renaissance coming of people really appreciating life, appreciating people and what really matters. And I think this past couple of years, this past year and a half has just humbled us and I think humanized us. And I really am excited to see the genuine joy that people have just coming together, dancing, being in person, going out to brunch, like just doing things that human beings used to do and, and getting on. And I think it's going to be something that sticks with this generation forever, but I think it's also going to make us a, a, a group of people who all realize the value of the little things that we all took for granted because, because we could be stuck inside behind a computer screen for the rest of our lives for all we know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think there's just so much joy and, and excitement that's going to be coming out of uh, uh, this next year. When people come to your Instagram page, they see this this guy that loves to dance and has a shit ton of followers. Same thing goes for YouTube. You're having a great time and, uh, you know, enjoying yourself. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? I see, I see the same kid in high school who really loves musical theater and really likes hanging out with his friends and playing Pokemon Go and watching funny YouTube videos and, <laughs> and just enjoying the regular life. It's so funny that we have this perception of people who have a following as if they're unreal, but I, I don't see myself as any different. I don't think the people in my life see me as any different and I really wouldn't want it any other way. I just feel like Caleb from Indiana who really just wants to go hang out with his friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Caleb from Indiana. Right now, you have an opportunity to offer the Caleb from Indiana fresh into college, feeling a little unsure of his path, a piece of advice looking back on that time right now. What do you tell him? I would say stop looking in the mirror every single day pinching yourself, wondering why you have a pudge here, why you have a pudge there. Stop praying away your sexuality. Stop thinking that you constantly have to get validation from other people because you're not enough as you are. Just be confident and, and do the things that you love and the people that are around you will stay if they're supposed to stay. And if not, they weren't supposed to be in there in the first place, but just keep being yourself. 
Beautiful, Caleb from Indiana. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, tell us, tell the hurdlers, how do we keep up with you? How do we follow along with you? Give me all the details. You can follow me at youtube.com slash the fitness marshal on Instagram, the fitness marshal on TikTok. I also have an inclusive active wear line called active booty that you can find on activebooty.com. And we're excited. I don't know if I can say that yet, but I'll say that right now we offer extra small to three X and we're just so excited to keep including more people in that and, um, keep expanding the fitness marshal to so many other avenues and really spreading the joy of movement and just, um, self-love. Thank you so much. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at hurdle podcast, another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>